0: Hey, it's Ronnie Gibson again. This is another episode of Short Life Advice. Today I have with me... Randy Gibson. Ryan Bartlett. Today we're changing things up a bit here. Instead of interviewing people, we're going to dive into some important topics. The topic today is fertility and infertility. Our main goal is to save... The listeners days, weeks, and more likely years of sifting through oceans of information to help you make informed decisions on these topics. Consider it a general direction towards the truth, knowing we'll make some mistakes along the way. And by learning across many, many books, podcasts, scientific literature, and some of the world's greatest thinkers on these topics, we hope to create a inspirational experience and instead of a polarized one that you see most conversations out there. Our email address shortlifeadvice at gmail.com where you can email insights or opposing opinions and we'll also include anonymous a form to submit some of those differing opinions, questions, and other scientific evidence that could help shift us closer to the truth as possible. First Fertility and infertility is the topic today. Uh, first, we'll discuss the dire situation that our species is in. Second, we'll dive into what's causing it and why. And third, we'll just share some practical advice that we have had going through it and, and hearing about it. Randy is going to start us off sharing some statistics that... Um, that'll show you why it's such a dire situation for our species currently. All right. Anecdotally, I think we've all experienced this in our lives, whether that's friends, coworkers, you are constantly hearing about fertility problems, infertility problems, whether that is just trying to a couple trying to have kids for a lengthy amount of time and being unable to resorting to in vitro fertilization or just the general struggle to where some people are making a decision that they aren't don't even want to adopt mm-hmm. so and weren't prepared for to begin with, no one's prepared to go through infertility or any types of issues when it comes to having babies. Being a, a father of a, a six-month-old, the entire experience we had the expectation going in that we were having a child. So I can't imagine the toll it takes on someone's mind when you go in and expecting, and now your life has been upended by this new expectation. Mm-hmm. So, but, I mean, that is a good point. Everyone goes in... Every, I mean, everyone just assumes you're healthy. You know, your uh, your fertility is healthy. You're healthy, as it, especially at it, the age that most people are conceiving, is a very young age. It's, you know, you're in your 20s or early 30s. So most often, you just assume you're pretty healthy and should be able to procreate. So it's like you... And then... Now, there's studies, there's a lot of studies that are showing one in, what is it, one in six couples? Yeah, I'm looking at a stat here. One in six couples have infertility issues, and an infertility issue is measured as, oh, if you go, if you, if you go over one year of being unable to conceive, then you're in that one in six. That's incredible. Wow. So, every six couples you run into wow. on the street are going to have some sort of infertility issues and and their definition of infertility is not conceiving within a year so that's 12 tries i of, can't imagine of, going an entire year and just struggling i know you Ronnie went a month i'd be freaking out at 6 months let alone an entire year of infertility i mean i we the first time we tried we didn't become pregnant and the second time we did. there are some things that we did differently the second time as far as trying to figure doing testing when she's ovulating on to that day and ensuring that you try that day. So I think that is what really put us over the top for us. We were using an app previously and just relying on the app to tell you when you're fertile or when you're ovulating or not ovulating. So I think that was the biggest kicker, and just changing that up, I think, is a huge thing to do. We can talk further about Let's that. Let's jump later. into the yeah. dire situation yeah. more. and So the fertility rate, which just means how many children a woman or a couple has. So if you look at fertility rates, if that number is at 2.1 children per couple or per woman, then they say we're at a replacement rate the population is being replaced. It, so it it's, it would be flat instead of going up or down. So the whole world right now is at 2.4. In 1960, it was at 5. The United States is at 1.7 right now. In 1958, it was at 3.5. Mm-hmm. So we are, again, the replacement rate is at 2.1. We're at 1.7 in the United States currently. And... The immediate question people have usually is, well, aren't people just choosing to have fewer kids? Of course, that is definitely a, a consideration. And one of the many variables, I'm looking at a graph here of showing the, the fertility rates by decade, by age, and the age groups that are going up excuse me, the birth rates that are going up is from 30 to 44 years old. So that's, that is definitely a consideration. But, it's, but there's definitely fertility rate problems, preterm birth problems, uh, miscarriage problems, all of these things are going up. And one of the, one of the things that a, a scientist named Shauna Swan brings up is that it, it, it's a good example of like the choice of not having kids being a, a, the only problem is that the same problems that humans are having with fertility, wildlife species are having. And there's this interesting study out of England about canines, dogs, over the last three decades. And it showed that fertility within these dogs has just rapidly declined. And I don't think dogs are sitting around at a table talking about making this wise decision that we're going to have kids later on in life and we're not going to have kids so, and, and just, so they looked at some of the there's a huge drop in sperm motility which is a problem in humans as well that, that I'll talk about and they, from 1988 to 1998 so we're talking not even the last 20 years but even during that decade the sperm motility decreased by 2.5% per year so that's just rapid decline within, within canines. And they would find, the study found chemicals in the dog sperm and testes and et cetera. So there's there's definitely an inter- environmental factor that is consistently causing this decline. Yeah, no question. I mean, and I was reading the same thing when it comes to cattle, p- uh, pigs, horses, same, a lot of farm animals going through and having these... a a similar type of infertility issues and a lot of them are spending a lot of extra money when it comes to artificial semination and so it's just a semen's the biggest one uh if you're not familiar with semen it's what comes out of the (laughs) male white stuff (laughs) uh the average man in in the united states had, they measure it by a millimeter. So 99 million sperm count per millimeter was what the average man had in 1973. By 2011, that number had dropped to 47 million per millimeter. So over half it dropped within 30 years, 40 years. That's incredible. And and so then we we still, you could duck, duck, go, Google this, and there's no one still knows what what the primary cause of of this decreasing in sperm and it's been happening for decades the when it when it comes to when it comes to infertility, infertility and fertility rates and issues age is really the number one predictor of fertility status mm. so i mentioned before m- more people are having children later and So then the later you have it, the more likelihood your fertility issues are going to happen. Uh, And so you look at, like, I'm looking at a graph here, and we can share these later, but it has age groups, and then it has chances of getting pregnant within one year, and then likelihood to be infertile. And just, I'll go with, like, age groups 20 to 24, your chances of getting pregnant within one year are 86%. Likelihood to be infertile is 3% you go, let's go to the age group of 30 to 34. Now your chance of getting pregnant with one year is down to 63% and your infertility is 8, 8%. And it just, that constantly keeps going up and up and up. Some, some of that is just uh, a woman is born with all the eggs she'll have. So at birth, she'll have around 1 million eggs. I didn't know any of this until I started doing this research. By puberty, she'll have half of that. So just mm, drops in half is just the natural state of things. And then each month after puberty, each month, she'll lose up to a 1,000 eggs. And of those, only one egg is matured and, and ovulated each month. Wow. So I'm looking at a, another graph, and it's just like this slope all the way down by age to where like by age 50, all of those eggs are essentially gone. Mm. So that, that's one thing causing it, but also... The longer we live, the more time we have to be exposed to the inevitable forces of life. Illness, toxins, the environment, fevers, damage of DNA, Mm -hmm. and it just increases our likelihood of infertility. And it's clearly a male and female issue here with the, egg, the amount of eggs and with the sperm motility and, and the amount of sperm in the male, both are decreasing. Not only not only do they decrease probably with age, as you're seeing here, but they're decreasing at an exponential rate because some of these external factors within the environment. So it's just this perfect storm of things that are happening. And then also from 19, back in 1946 to now... The amount of toxins that we put in our environment uh, because of our human species have put in our environment has increased just at a crazy high rate, and that's probably assisting in a lot of this or exacerbating the problem. Definitely, 100%. We, I, I definitely have some stats we can talk about a little bit later. To your point. There was a there was some research that says like fifty percent of the fertility problem involves the woman's reproductive system, thirty five percent the men's, and then ten percent no cause can be found. Five percent there's a uncommon or rare problems. That's what they what they say. Uh, but you know the problem is even beyond fertility. So even once you get pregnant, there's issues even then. So. One of the problems is preterm births. the The age to consider the age of pregnancy of within weeks that's considered a preterm is before thirty seven weeks. So normal is like thirty seven to forty two. to consider mm. and eleven point four percent of all pregnancies end in preterm births. Mm. The earlier they're born, the more likely they're to have morta- infant mortality rates, and then also even childhood mortality rates and diseases and 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 everything just exponentially gets worse just by preterm the earlier you have issues and that rate has steadily gone up and the united states has the highest preterm birth rates of any country any modern you know first world country Mm. and so it's it's not like we it's a not a problem. I mean, it's a one of the biggest problems for one of the best, healthiest, uh, from a healthcare perspective, country. Yeah. You would think that that's a, a contradiction, but but it isn't. And then one, once you even get pregnant, there's... Uh, I, I, I don't have a stat in front of me, but I, I can look it up and give an exact stat in the show notes, but I believe it's... Up near 30 40 percent, or even higher, uh, end in miscarriage. And a lot of women don't even know they're pregnant, it happens within the first two weeks. And usually, what happens if you just think of it evolutionary, and if our if the body, if the woman or male is sick or not capable of having kids, more likely the body is going to try and do what it can to not procreate so I think that's what happens a lot of miscarriages it doesn't happen. that's not probably the case in all of them there's maybe some genetic things or whatever it is but a lot of times I think it's our our body saying hey this isn't the greatest situation to have a child we should probably back off here heal each other heal the, the female heal heal the male and then and then maybe you know, next season, try procreating and then have the ki- the, the child then. Let's jump into some of the, the dive into what's causing it, why, and then we can jump into some advice. Yeah. we got over there, Ryan?
1: Yeah, so Dr. Thomas Cowan, from his book, The Contagion Myth, mentions four basic factors that he says, you know, Western doctors really need to hone in on and it's the quality of water that the patients drink the quality of food that they eat the level and type of toxins mental and emotional toxins like stress which they're exposed to and the level and type of electromagnetic fields in which they are subjected these are the four core issues that doctors look at when you're looking at a holistic doctor and uh, we talked about Shauna Swan earlier, and she she wrote a book all about this and you can jump on YouTube after school did a great illustration. It's called the Global Fertility Crisis and jumps through a lot of the environmental factors, the different types of pesticides and phylates and all these different toxins that are in our plastics and our food and these endocrine-disrupting chemicals that are just hacking our hormones. And she also talks about lifestyle factors, so obesity, smoking, cigarettes, stress, binge drinking. All these things can have a major impact on the fertility health of the person. And uh, they did some studies on the anogenital distance that is your your taint or your gooch (laughs) and it's getting smaller and smaller over the years in humans and they also did mouse studies and this is a good indicator of lower sperm counts which is what we've seen with the 50 percent decrease in the last 40 years in western countries so yeah there's a, a lot to consider uh but that's just a basic overview right there, and all these different toxins in the environment have a synergistic effect as well. So you got to keep that in, in mind.
0: Yeah, that's that's Shawna Swan one's really good. We'll we'll put it in the, the show notes. It's that it does like a sketch after school is pretty good with that. She was also on Joe Rogan, I believe, too, which mm-hmm. was good. Mm-hmm. She she jumps into phylates or whatever, phthalates, phthalates plastics and and whatnot. I jumped into a little bit of the scientific literature around toxin exposure and infertility. And some of these things are, again, we're trying to understand what is causing the infertility and, and, and why. And so i looked, some of the research shows that men in, in, the, in, the, in the highest quartile of consumption of high pesticide, pesticide residue fruits and vegetables had a 49% lower total sperm count. Mm. And that's incredible. So 49% lower if you're eating the higher you're eating pesticide-ridden f- fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. So basically if you eat organic, according to this study, you're going to have a your sperm count's going to be improved 49%. Right? Mm-hmm. Some of these things we can't control. If you go out to a restaurant, you're not going to be able to control that. At home you can control that. Uh, and there's many of these studies out there so there's another one women farmers in ontario that they they showed a direct correlation of fertility decreasing in proportion to pesticide use so these are farmers women and it said the worst pesticides and herbicides appear to be dicamba which is has a 49% decrease in fertility, then glyphosate, 39%, and, and they name a bunch of different pesticides and, and herbicides. Mm-hmm. And it's... That right there is a, is a huge factor. I think we... I was listening to Zach Bush yesterday talk about... I think we, we use like 4 billion gallons of glyphosate Roundup in, in the United States alone. Spraying them on our farms... Gardens, billions of pounds of it. Yeah, consumers use it. Roundup, roundup jugs, or at Home Depot, it's all over the place. Schools, yeah, schools, playgrounds, and stuff. Is, and we're absorbing this stuff. In it, it's in our water. A lot of these pesticides and stuff are in your water too. We'll talk about that more when we say or when we discuss some things of how to and clear it up. Yeah, we don't wanna overwhelm everyone, but I think it's it's good to know that like something as simple as just changing to organic vegetables and fruit is is gonna help you for fertility. And it's just getting you ready for pregnancy. I think that's one of the biggest the biggest things that you can you can do here is 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 to to shift the perspective of fertility and pregnancy and infertility as something that we prepare for and as something we see as sacred and so recently one of the books that i read uh, before Tina and i got chose to, to to get pregnant, she got pregnant. I didn't, of course. Uh, is the the nourishing traditions book of baby and child care and Sally Morrell and Tom Callan? Yeah, Sally Morrell and Tom Callan, and they dive into a lot of the, the traditional cultures. Like, what are the ancients? How do they prepare for fertility? How do they prepare for? And it, and it just blew me away. It changed my entire perspective on. On fertility and, and pregnancy. One of the biggest things that they talk about is that, and this is a direct quote from what they say, is that no other society is as careless about preparation for pregnancy and birth as our own. Our haphazard approach stands in sharp contrast to the wisdom and dedication that Dr. Weston A. Price observed in traditional cultures. Mm. Dr. Weston A. Price, a famous dentist who saw a bunch of dental problems in the 40s and then traveled all around the world to these indigenous cultures and studied why are they so healthy. And one of the biggest things they did is, is treated the birth and, and the pregnancy as something sacred. And so just to give give you an idea of some of that sacredness is, and I'll give a few of the traditional cultures and some of the things that they, they did... So the, for one, they would prepare two years in advance, two years in advance, they would prepare and that just blows my mind. So if you're thinking about right now, if you're thinking about having children or you're getting married and you're thinking about having children, you should start preparing. How are you going to remove some of those toxins in your environment? How are you going to improve diet lifestyle now that can help you create an environment within yourself this or a better environment of your organism Mm -hmm. so just an example the Maasai tribes out of Africa only allowed men and women to marry so they prevented marriage only after and and allowed it only after they spent six months consuming milk from the wet season when the grass was especially lush and when the milk was much denser in nutrients yeah
1: yeah and raw milk too, that has those beneficial enzymes and bacteria that'll allow you to digest the lactose. And that's one of the things you guys had an issue with. You became lactose intolerant as you became older, but now you guys can have raw milk because mm-hmm. it has those beneficial bacteria and enzymes.
0: Mm-hmm. And it
1: has all kinds of what,
0: vitamin A and vitamin D and yeah, vitamin Vitamin D, vitamin K two, and vitamin A are the fat soluble vitamins that Weston A. Price found. He essentially said there was one commonality among all of these these cultures, these traditional cultures, and what they did as far as diet to prepare the the mother and the father to have a more likelihood of a healthy baby and, and even have babies, and that are fat soluble vitamins A, D, and K two, which is primarily in animal fats, mm-hmm. uh, which is you know, something where it it could cause some some cognitive dissonance in our minds because society says that fats are bad and all fats are bad, but there's nuance to meat's bad for you. Meat's bad for you. Exactly. So just give another example of what these traditional cultures did is, uh, the South Sea Islanders and the Maori out of New Zealand, two different traditional cultures, uh, they would expose themselves to considerable danger by hunting sharks. So they go out, and imagine these traditional cultures, they have no freaking like, major boats or technology or anything. they go out into the ocean and, and killed sharks only for their liver. So sh- the shark's liver was a sacred food necessary for healthy babies. And you would hear stories in this book constantly like that. There would be cultures that are up in, in, to, in the hills and the mountains... And they would literally travel down the mountain all the way to the sea, collect caviar, travel all the way back just for the mother Mm -hmm. before, during, and after pregnancy. And it's because they have those rich fats, those fat-soluble vitamins that are more conducive to a healthy uh, baby. And I think the, the, the principle here is just treating... Pregnancy as a sacred event. After... I don't know about you, Ronnie, but after I experienced this entire process, it it, it truly is sacred and humbling because all we did is put it in motion Mm -hmm. and Mother Nature took care of the rest. Mm -hmm. Literally. yeah, The entire rest. Like, Tina didn't choose to to have the pregnancy at 41 and a half weeks she didn't choose to have a labor for over 20 hours or when it happened or how the the child grew in in her and and so it's what sex it was right (laughs) you you don't you have no control It's, it's this is another you all you're doing is put it in in motion but what you do have control of is Trying to improve the environment, mm-hmm. which is what traditional cultures did over and over and over again, and uh, they, they said in this book that the diet of the mother and father before conception and the and during pregnancy, the mother during pregnancy will determine to a very large extent the the appearance of the child, mm-hmm. which is huge. You don't think about the jaw intelligence. Yeah. Weston and I Price talked a lot about jaw lines, and uh-huh. which is a lot a lot of issues with kids wearing braces, a lot of it comes back to the nutrition, what the mother was eating, why the child was forming, and then when the child's born up until age six, if you're not getting those nutrients that you talked about, then the jawline's not forming, the teeth are growing in, either incorrectly, braces are at all-time high rate. Continue. Yeah, it, so there's there's appearance, there's a t- intelligence, so IQ, and, and there's studies... There's a study I have down here where it said that um, the IQ of a child just by eating fish during pregnancy uh, increases IQ of your, your child by a significant amount. Just just eating fish while pregnant uh, is something that tremendously helps. So you, you think that intelligence isn't something... So it said that ch- children whose mothers consume fish during pregnancy had IQs that were between... to 9.5 points higher than children whose mothers did not eat fish. That's insane. That's literally definite. That's insane. And I've seen exercise does a similar thing when it comes to cognitive uh, impairment and cognitive improvement in the child. uh, Exercising before, like it goes back to this preparation. Um, Ryan mentioned obesity uh, is a big issue. it causes all kinds of issues when it comes to your hormones and making sure those are effective The hormones are a big problem w- with the infertility issues and ensuring that you do have high fertility uh, that your hormones are balanced in a correct way and when you have toxins in your environment or you're not eating the right nutrition or have the the the, the nutrient density that's a, another thing i was thinking about when you're when you're talking about when you're talk about the the milk and pasteurized milk when you pasteurize milk it uh, it decreases the amount of these vitamins because it, it has to cook it up at a, at a high level these mm-hmm. high temperatures so it's bringing down the nutrients <laughs> and then that that's just what came to my mind even from that 1942 statistic until now sperm production down is or, or cut in half by 50% are food isn't as nutritious as it was before. Ryan, you've yeah. studied a lot about this when it comes to regenerative agriculture
1: and the soils. Like throw off a couple of those statistics. Yeah, so when we say eat organic to avoid the pesticides, that's half the story. I mean, yeah, eat organic, but you got to try to buy local because I did a presentation on my YouTube called eating USDA organic is not enough we have these huge industrial farms that do the bare minimum just to get the certification. There's 30 things not to do. Don't use this pesticide, don't use this antibiotic. But not one word about building healthy soil. And healthy soil leads to a healthy microbiome. And if you have those healthy, good bugs in there, they are able to transfer the minerals and vitamins within the the soil to the plants. So the plant sucks in CO2, feeds that liquid carbon down to the bugs, the microbes. They make the nutrients available, which is just like it is in our gut, which is pretty wild. So we've depleted the microbiome in our soil, which has led to a depleted microbiome in our gut. The American Gut Project has amazing uh, data over the last 20, 30 years, the average American only has 10% of the biodiversity in their gut that they're supposed to have. Mm. So 10% of the potential microbiome that could be you know, making those nutrients available in our gut. And uh, it's astonishing. One of the biggest ways to, to increase your, your microbiome is a diversity of plants. In that same American Gut Project uh, study... It was people who ate 30 or more different plant types a week had microbiomes that are more diverse than those people who ate only 10 plant types per week, or 10 types or less. Most of us don't even eat more than tomato, lettuce, carrots, you know, yeah. all the basic ones. Yeah, um, But what we've done is Dr. Callan uh, actually makes a bunch of, of vegetable powders living up in the north that, you know, it's sometimes hard to get <laughs> fresh produce, but he... You know, has these jars, Muron jars that you know they can still. You can put them in the the windowsill, and they're able to get some of these uh, UVB lights from the light, and they can last a lot longer time, up to six to twelve months. And everything from root vegetables to carrots to beets to to chowder mushrooms,
0: crazy like burdock root, rare
1: rare things that you're not gonna get locally. Yeah, yeah, so. That's what we use a lot in, in the winter times when, you know, you, you just, it's hard to get fresh produce uh, besides the root vegetables that are resilient in the winter time. CSAs as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I use. Is I, we all tell them about CSAs. Yeah, so it's community-supported agriculture where uh, traditionally you would give the farmers a, a bunch of money ahead of time and commit to the, the season. However, there's a lot these days, and, and our favorite recently is uh, Tomato Mountain. They have a great program where you can pay uh, weekly, and you know you can back out, you know, after each season. Um, you pay weekly, and it's delivered to your front door, so you don't have to go anywhere. And the BioNutrient Food Association has done a lot of research on all the different types of farms and their nutrient levels. And it's very important to find a local farm that, you know, at least has 3 to 5% minimum uh, soil organic matter, a.k.a. carbon. But you really want to shoot for 10% is the optimal amount for a regenerative farm. And Tomato Mountain, I, you know, asked them and they said it was around 3.5%. So the minimum, uh, but, you know, we're in a tough climate, so it's hard to find. You, you guys, please tell me if you can... Find something better. We would love to to switch. Um, that's what this podcast is all about. We're hoping to open up dialogue to the community so we can all, you know, heal and and become healthier, and our children, you know, have a future. Because at the rate we're going, it's it's looking dire. What what's what the one example?
0: of a, a, a conventional carrot that you would buy at mm. a store at your local. Dual mm-hmm. market versus a regenerative agriculture. That was uh,
1: 200 times less polyphenols mm-hmm. in a conventional carrot or these huge USDA organic industrial farms, which all of us go and buy organic from Whole Foods. The majority of those are from these USDA organic industrial farms. If it says from Mexico, from Florida, <laughs> From California, and you're not in those states, in a, a small grocery store that's you know sourcing from a local farm, then it's going to be these industrial farms that you know are doing the bare minimum. So you got to look for biodynamic certification, regenerative, or you need to just start talking to farmers, shaking their hands, and become friends with farmers. Organic's still better than the conventional. Yes. You're still reducing the Abs- pesticides. Absolutely. Yeah. I think
0: the big... To me, the biggest thing I think the listeners could focus on is pri- prioritizing nutrient density. or mm-hmm. it's like, you want to get foods with more nutrients in them. Because uh, you don't want to eat 10 carrots to get the same amount of vitamin A that you can get, eat one carrot. And if... So then... The The way to do that is to focus on organic, but more importantly, regenerative agriculture. Like Ryan said, if the soil is richer, then the plants will be richer in nutrients. Mm-hmm. The animals eat the plants, they will be rich, more richer in nutrients. Mm-hmm. We will consume a higher nutrient density. One of the things in the traditional cultures was that they talked about in this book was the diets of healthy native groups contain at least 10 times more vitamin A and vitamin D than the diet of modernized peoples. And Dr. Wesson A. Price did this research in like the 40s and 50s, so imagine what it is now. And he said these vitamins that, that we're talking about are only found in animal fats, and Dr. Weston A. Price referred to these fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, K2, the most important ones, as catalysts or activators, he said, because they, mm. they're relied upon and, and assimilate all of the other nutrient nutrients, protein, minerals, vitamins. Like You need these for proper, proper metabolism and assimilation of all the nutrients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that those pieces are important and preparing yourself for pregnancy, for fertility, improving fertility is increasing that nutrient intake. And you can see in s- some of the statistics uh, where it's like 94% of the, the United States doesn't get enough vitamin D, 92% doesn't get enough choline, uh, 100% doesn't get enough v- potassium, and it goes on and on across of it, across these. So if we, if we have nutrient-depleted foods, then we're going to have nutrient-depleted humans, mm-hmm. and then we're going to have an environment, a.k.a. your body, that doesn't have the necessary ecosystem to to reproduce. And nature is going to say, "Hey, we can't re- we can't reproduce in this environment, the AK the environment of the human, feet, male and female." And we need to we just need to have create a more sacred environment around w- fertility and when it comes to prepping beforehand and then just Diet is a huge one. We've talked about that a lot. Toxins are a huge one. You know, just simple things of, you know, eating more fish is one thing that you can do. Avocados, eating healthy fats uh, have a lot of these in it. Nut seeds. Nut seeds. Um, We can put a couple things that... We don't eat a lot of supplements, but we we dabble in a little bit of, of supplements, but supplementation of vitamin D is probably important like if you're not doing that now you you should get on we'll we'll put a link to the in in the show notes of the vitamin D that we use you should be supplementing immediately with that because we're deficient in our Mm -hmm. diets so and like Randy said 96% of the US and organ pills High nutrient density, like uh, animal organs, they put it in a pill form. We'll put that in there. Cod liver oil is another one that has a lot of these mm-hmm. uh, nutrients that we were talking about that you can put in there. Um, mm-hmm. Changing your diet's huge, very important. Definitely should start doing that beforehand. And um, water, gonna, like help. Water is a yeah. huge one. Ryan mentioned water is one of the things, and so we use. And I just want to emphasize that, like, this journey, this is a... We're sitting, all three at this table, has been a journey of learning and failures and trying different diets and, and, and following different paths that were wrong and then following the right ones. And it's, a, it's been a zigzag hell of a journey and a trail mm-hmm. with a lot of bumps. And I think that that's important because, like Ronnie mentioned the the beginning, it's like we're trying to synthesize all of the information, save you a lot of time from making the same mistakes that we did, and and give you our best foot forward of what, towards the truth, and uh, and and so that's this is where we're at now. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, I think that's that's important to where it's, you know we're we're all going to continue to learn through this. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that with water is we. We purchase these Berkey water filters, and you can find these things where they it filters out all of the, the toxins and unnecessary chemical chemicals, and retains the good minerals that you need in your water. And uh, so, there's uh, plastics, glyphosate, pesticides. They're in the air. They're in the water.
1: Uh, fluoride gets added to your water, chlorine gets added to your water. They find birth control in water, yeah, all sorts of different antidepressants and different pharmaceuticals. sick. You can go on Berkey and they'll tell you exactly what's in your water. Just put in your zip
0: code, berkey.com, B R K E Y.com. And uh, amazing product. It'll change. And, and think about that you drink, that's one of the biggest things because you drink water every day. So now change your water. To where you're, you're removing a lot of those toxins, easy, quick step, uh, immediately, because the, these the toxins that we're talking about, it, they are causing chronic inflammation in our bodies, and if, if chronic inflammation is essentially daily inflammation that you have, water is something that you drink daily, food is something you eat daily, so if if you're if you don't have help clean water, clean food, then you're going to be chronically inflamed at all times. And the more chronically inflamed you are every single day, then the more unhealthy you are. It's Chronic inflammation leads to chronic disease. What's
1: some of the stats for chronic disease? Um, in 1960, 4% of the entire population had a chronic disease. And in 2011, 54% of children have a chronic disease. So it's just skyrocketed. And you mentioned the the Berkey water filter. We also got to mention, find some way to structure the water. And there's a lot of different products out there. Really, that's all it's doing is trying to emulate nature. Just the way we had natural springs, it would fall down the minerals and be in a, a vortex spiral. That would help structure that water uh, natural action technologies has the product that we've been using and it essentially structures that water and gives it the the same sort of life force that the water has in our cells in our body so it's energy i think of it just just energizes yeah. your water exactly
0: yeah, yeah. Energizes same, as a, it. same as a spring it, it, it's really that the imitating nature is the biggest thing. And mm. even with these traditional cultures, it's like you don't have to imitate nature. You're amongst it. You're drinking the water out of the spring and it's been energized already from the mountains. And, and it's uh, to go along with the water. I, I was looking at some of the research just to add on the scientific evidence. It's, it said that chlorination of drinking water was a huge public health success, but it also caused unexpected problems. So drinking chlorinated water is associated with an increased risk of stillbirth 2.6 times higher. Wow. So women drinking chlorinated water are far more likely to deliver a child with smaller body length, smaller head circumference, etc. Uh, and then on top of that, there, was, there is uh, women drinking groundwater with, with PCEs, which are like uh, the petrochemicals, which is everywhere now. In, uh, can- with PCE contamination suffer over a doubled risk of spontaneous abortion as well as in- increased risk of breast cancer uh, so doubled risk if you're drinking water with PCEs in which the F- Berkey filter removes these things mm-hmm. for you uh, so literally just that one practical next step going and buying which is it, it's, it's an investment it's expensive it's $250 but it's but you got to weigh the risk benefits. The, the, approaching the sacredness of your child being being born, I think, is huge. Air pollution's another one we don't mm-hmm. talk about a lot, especially yeah. being in Chicago. We're in Chicago. If you're in a city, uh, even indoor air air pollution. So just just rattle off a few things here. House dust levels of flame retardants alter. Sex hormone levels and reduce male fertility. So just, so just having an air filter. Uh, the closer a uh, a woman le- lives near a high highway, the higher her rate of infertility. Mm. The closer you live to a highway, and so that's may seem uh, kind of. You may get in despair if you just bought a home next to a highway, but still, you could use air filters and and whatnot, and 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 try to control what you can control of course mm-hmm. uh but just if you're in the housing market that could be a consideration uh air pollutants from vehicular exhausts are associated with reduced fertility in males as well uh mm-hmm. men residing in industrial towns suffered, suffered a significant reduction in sperm motility and so there's there's air pollution's another one another one of those toxins uh, so you know, water filters is one thing we mentioned. You can get filters on your shower as well. Mm, so yeah. skin is, absorbs a lot of these things as well. So we we have some things on our showers that prevent the the toxins from entering your skin. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the biggest things that people talk about is skin care and healthcare care products, especially in women products that especially shampoos, uh, makeup, hairsprays, all of those things contain they're un- the unregulated really industry and they're allowed to put all of these endocrine disruptors and, 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 and
1: petrochemicals and things in them. Yeah you can go to the enviro- environmentalworkinggroup.org ewg.org and they've actually done all the research for you already and you can look up specific products and see, each ingredient how toxic it is and really start to educate yourself there and, and make improvements on that. Let's talk about some detox things we oh. do. Hold
0: on real quick. I just, it's, it's, we're talking about a lot of the toxins, stress. R- Ryan mm-hmm. mentioned a mm-hmm. few different. Mm. Stress is a huge one. and yeah. uh, There's three types of stress. Joe Dispenza and you are the placebo. <laughs> he, he talked about stress is one of the biggest... Causes of epigenetic change, and epigenetic is uh, h- how our environment affects our genes. Uh, th- so think it that way. So because it, you know, the stress is one of the biggest causes of epigenetic change because it knocks your body out of the balance that it's in, and it comes in three forms. He says physical stress, which is trauma chemical stress, which is toxins, some of the toxins we were talking about, and then emotional stress, fear, worry, being overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. So each one of these can set off more than 1,400 chemical reactions in our body and produce more than 30 hormones and neurotransmitters. So think of it that way. And then Mm -hmm. when when the female body senses there's too much stress going on, whether it's from not not getting enough calories, you see that in third world countries, not enough sleep, too much exercise, whatever it is, these toxins, chronic disease, reproduction is the first process that gets shut down. So the last thing mm. the female body wants to do when it's stressed out, is give all the precious energy to a growing baby. It's trying to say, hey, we need to fix this organism first. Let's clean this up and then have the baby. And another thing that was pretty crazy, a stat in here I jotted down, and it said researchers at the Ohio State University Medical Center found that more than 170 genes were affected by stress. With 100 of those shutting off completely, including many of those that directly make proteins that facilitate the proper type of wound healing that needs to happen to to be able to uh, reproduce mm-hmm. and the researchers reported that the wounds of stressed patients took 40% longer to heal and that stress tilted the genomic balance towards genes encoding proteins responsible for cell death and inflammation so it's just, mm. stress is a huge part of it, a lot of it's toxins, a lot of it's emotional stress. Mm. That's a good point. So,
1: definitely something to think about. There. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and there's a bunch of different ways to relieve the stress as well. You don't want to be chugging, you know, vodka every night. Um with us, I think that one of the biggest things is exercise. We all started running a lot, mm-hmm. you know, getting that cardiovascular uh, exercise helps bring down the stress, cleans and toxins too, cleans sweating. toxins. Yeah. And then we all started a meditation practice, but we started really slow. It was one, you know, visit a week down at the uh, Japanese cultural center on Belmont, and that was huge. And just having the camaraderie, all of us come together, do it one a week. I think it was for about a year until we started building up a a daily practice. Mm -hmm. So take it slow. You know, my, my wife started at five minutes per day and then after a month cranked up to six minutes per day. I know our director of sales, you know, did three minutes per day. Um... You know, just a little bit of silence and stillness of some sort can really help. And there's hundreds of different meditation practices out there. Find what works for you. It can be breathing exercises, or um, it can be affirmations. Or Joe Dispenza, you know, one of our favorites. He's got a book, Becoming Supernatural, and you can find his audiobook for free on YouTube. And that one really breaks down step by step uh, his design that he uses in those huge workshops where he brings in thousands of people. They're all meditating together. People come in with cancer and they come out with no cancer. You know, it's just mind blowing. So we're talking about all these toxins and it's a little stressful just hearing all that. But ultimately, our energy and, you know, we can measure energy with a bunch of different scientific instruments now. Our our biofield is really going to be the most important thing and having love, and community, and connection, and finding some time for yourself. Especially between the two people that are trying
0: to procreate, you (laughs) need to be working with each other, there needs to be love there, There and this is a a big strain emotionally, and and it gets into your head, like I I talked about at the beginning of this, when uh, we went one month of, uh, not procreating the second month we did, but even just that first month. So I, I can't imagine going twelve months of not working, and it gets in your head. It starts to stress out. There's a lot of relationship stress, sexual stress, a lot of pressure to the to yeah. the to the male not being able to get it up. Uh, to, you know, not uh, have this forced uh, mm-hmm. sexual. You know, mm-hmm. relationship to try and procreate. You, you just a lot of different things. You know, one partner's infertile, the other's not. So then you have resentment. Blaming each other. Yeah. Shame or embarrassment of the person that's not. Not lacking that social support from the from the other person. One of them's not seeking medical help, and the other one wants the other one to do it. All your friends are having success. They're on social media, blaring their kids around. Yeah. And yeah. it's that... Again, cause a stress. One of the, when you were talking about meditation, I, I kind of had this like um, kind of serendipity or whatever you want to call it, where I was thinking, like we're talking about stress, and the the word meditation is kind of scary and out there still for some people. But if you think about it, like if you go into silence, you're reducing all the stressors besides what's in your mind. Your mind is the only thing that can create the stressors at that moment. So like when you do meditation, you're essentially going into silence, reducing all your external stressors and finding like peace and harmony and balance of your energy system in this meditation. So they don't even think about it as meditation. Just think about it as like you are helping yourself reduce and get into this calm state of tranquility so that you can approach the world from there uh, and then as you make it a habit you get better at approaching the world in a less stressful state Mm -hmm. versus you I don't have the research on me but I know cortisol when cortisol is a is a hormone that is a stress hormone and the more cortisol is up the less likely you are to to be fertile Mm -hmm so it's it's Fight or flight yeah it's huge uh and, and so those are some of the things and, and then like we mentioned detoxification like from sweating and working out is one of those we've all bought saunas we used to go to the sauna at the gym and covid pandemic whatever so we bought these saunas at at home where now we do three to four a week and you can look up Rhonda patrick she's done a lot of research on this where now they've seen sauna if you don't want to exercise and you don't have the the willpower to do it or the time and the biggest first step you could do is do get buy a sauna and and there's great technology now where you can just unfold it fold it 900 bucks bam full spectrum light plus you're sweating 20 to 30 minutes it detoxifies a lot of toxins ton of research there and uh, so it can help you detoxify, and and so sauna is huge. And it's Ronna Patrick talks about it being an exercise mimetic, which is, it essentially mimics exercise. Mm. Uh, where she thinks within ten to fifteen years they're going to be prescribing patients sauna use mm. to make them healthier. So that that's that's another big one. There's of course like. foods and stuff you could eat to help your liver is where the detoxification happens the most so anything you can do to help the liver which obviously alcohol is one of the biggest things that kind of disables your your liver function Mm -hmm. but eating things like burdock root sauerkraut, dandelion greens charcoal, those types of things can help improve your liver function but Removing alcohol yep. was real quick. High alcohol intake was associated with reduced sperm volume. We're talking about males mm. uh, and uh, abnormal sperm morphology. Mm. A lot of research on it. If, if you're drinking alcohol more than one or a couple, one or two drinks a week, you're probably drinking too much. You... The easiest thing is go to organic wines. One of the things we've done where it's like it's hard to get out of this society that's all dependent on alcohol essentially for all social interactions mm-hmm. so if you if you can if you want to take a shortcut we're privileged to be in Chicago and have access to a lot of good things like you go to local liquor store and find organic wines but if you're not you can still get them online and they since it's become more popular it's becoming more cheaper you can get a ten dollar bo- bottle of red organic or white wine and that at least helps you prevent it but still Get your rocks off, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we're coming up on an hour, so we probably start summing some things up, and then share a couple, few other things. You mentioned alcohol, and another thing that I read that affects testosterone levels and fertility is marijuana. Um, marijuana is becoming legal and and decriminalized all across the country. That they've shown. And, and one study that Ben Greenfield shared 50 to 60% reduction in testes size for users of THC marijuana. So it, there could be up to two-thirds of sperm that's produced that never make its way out of the testes. And also it's shown poor quality sperm gets out if using uh, marijuana. So that's, a, that's another big one of two recreational things that you could take out at least temporarily within, you know, the six months that you're trying to procreate beforehand and then di- during probably shouldn't be in taking any alcohol or marijuana or any, a lot of substances probably. Yeah. It's tough. It's a tough major change you have to do. Yeah. I, I, I had a challenge with it. Yeah. My wife did. Your wife did. And yeah. And it's just... Especially, like, if you're traveling, I think we were on vacation so then you're like you're wanting to have fun you're used to these habits and stuff but you know do the best you can do fasting is another one we haven't mentioned Mm. it's a big detoxifier we you could do the famous ones is intermittent fasting which starts enables an autophagy process which your cells were essentially regenerate and produce stem cells and, and so it detoxifies and repairs a lot of that damage the dna damage so then it and help you prepare. My wife and I did uh, a fast. She did a forty-eight hour fast prior to uh, conceiving. I did a five day and then a two day right with her. Mm. And so, this is something that that is a huge commitment, and, but it's it definitely can help. But at minimum, if you stop eating, if you stop eating for sixteen hours of the day and eat within an eight hour window prior to conceiving studies show you'll be more likely to conceive because you're detoxifying you're again you're getting that that spaceship of your body in in a way in a in a better uh, habitat for yeah. procreation i I can add in the show notes. I did a seven-minute speech on on fasting that kind of goes in and digs into a lot of these things. I did a five-day fast before we started trying to procreate. My wife did a three-day or four-day fast, I believe. And it, it's just, yeah, you're just trying to clean up a lot of damage that you did beforehand up until, let's say, some of it's just natural decline and damage, and your body just helps heals itself through this fasting right beforehand through a lot of these uh, internal systems that we've evolved to uh, de- that we've developed through evolutionary times of going without food and um, and it just repairs our body right beforehand. So it's definitely a good one. That one. It's a tough one to pick up. A lot of these things like we talked about took years to implement and start mm-hmm. to so, you know, start slow, start with some of the easy things to, to pull out some of these toxins and clean up. Let's go make the audience uncomfortable for just one second and <laughs> and talk about coffee enemas oh. as another way <laughs> to to detoxify. Yeah, yeah, I love them. So in, the, in, enemas have been studied for a long time, and they've been they've used them in hospitals uh, for
1: for as long as we can remember. Gerson therapy. Gerson therapy. Yeah, that's the doctor that uses them for cancer. And
0: there was an extensive article in 1941 that that Dr. Carl Stagnano um, helped like near terminal patients. Um, a lot of in, in, intoxication with like cocaine and and like it, it, a lot of things. It helps you detoxify. And essentially, what a coffee enema is is you the, the caffeine and and then the, the phytonutrients within the coffee beans you roast it in the water a little bit and then you literally stick a hose up your ass and the water goes in your ass and your colon and it and it cleans out the gook and the toxins and you let it sit in there for a
1: little bit and then you about 15 minutes we can put out put ben greenfield's link in the show notes because he breaks it all down and gives you some good sources to to purchase it from but then there, there was one stat, it increases afterwards, it increases your glutathione mm-hmm. by, I think, 300 or 500%. Mm-hmm. And that's an antioxidant that really cleans out all the different toxins. And especially helps the liver, because it also moves some of the bile.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so, And yeah. Randy was talking
0: about the liver when it comes to anything that can you do to help the liver clean up. You know, clean up and do a lot of this repair. You know, is a good thing. So, if you're desperate, I mean, we're all. If you want to approach this from a sacred and and, and prepare as much as you can, I did a coffee enema. My wife did her first before getting pregnant. Like, if this is important to you, you can definitely try it. But you know, don't do a hundred of them. Then there's a there's a uh, an effect where. The more Dimension. you do, yeah, diminishing returns. return. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or too many can actually Im- impair you. We're so, clearly not doctors, so, you know. <laughs> what we've done is synthesize information from the greatest doctors, mm-hmm. All we the, believe.
1: Exactly. Functional or holistic doctors that really integrate the entire, you know, body. And they're not just treating a symptom like a lot of conventional mm-hmm. doctors and throwing pharmaceuticals at you. Right, right, right. And a lot of this
0: is, I heard one doctors say hey you should try coffee and, enemas. and it's not like I just got up bought one and tried it it was I kept hearing it over and mm-hmm. over and over by people that I most respected and yeah. did the research and continually did the research and they did it and, and it kept coming up so then I had to force myself to do my own research and it just I mean People, I think it's in the Bible somewhere, or in one of the texts around that time. A lot of the, it, it's been happening for thousands of years. People have been
1: yeah. doing these, so it's it was water, uh, yeah, water. They did back in the day, uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: So there's a lot of ancient wisdom there, but I just wanted to throw it out there. This is just another thing, since we're making people uncomfortable. Uh, electromagnetic radiation mm. is another one that no one likes to talk about it's being blasted from our laptops here our phones Ben Greenfield talks about it I'll, I'll put it in he, he links to a couple of studies but their studies have linked low level electromagnetic radiation exposure from cell phones just your cell phones to an 8% reduction in sperm motility and a 9% reduction in sperm viability So just simple things that you can do is just don't put your phone in your pocket. You see it when it's on at least. If you're putting your phone in your pocket, flip it down to airplane mode, then put it in your pocket. But laptops laptops sitting on your lap for a male it's funny because they're called laptops yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean if you're if, if you have these things close to your reproductive organs these are unnatural unnatural like electromagnetic radiation that's being pulsed through your reproductive organs i i i did a lot of research on it I had a lot of resistance to it at, at first, but I just kept hearing it, hearing it, hearing it, hearing it, did my own research. There's a fantastic book called Invisible Rainbow that goes w- way, way in, you know, to all these previous studies and, and th- over the years of being introduced electricity into our homes. But It is affecting you. It is affecting our fertility. There are studies already showing It's probably more than 8-9%, if we're being honest. (laughs) I shut my Wi-Fi off at night, every single night, and put my phone on airplane mode so you at least get some sort of break from this electromagnetic radiation because it's impossible to get away from, but you can give your body and your productive organs breaks. I mean, there's even companies that are selling boxers for men that block mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. you know you, you can go that far if you want to but I, I think just those three simple things don't put your phone in your pocket unless it's on airplane mode. put your Wi-Fi turn your Wi-Fi off at night. I have it plugged into an outlet that I just flick a switch right before bed and then laptops not on your lap <laughs> lap.
1: Those three things would help a ton. Yeah, and then I recently got a a JRS Eco router that reduces the amount of radiation that it sends out, and then it has a timer where it can turn off when you're asleep. Mm. But I think the biggest thing here is getting grounded throughout the day. You know, that's making that connection to Earth, which we have disconnected since about 1960 when we started switching our soles and our shoes. To you know, rubber soles uh, that disconnected us, and then years before that, we you know made raised beds. But we can get out barefoot, and you can feel you know a, a difference right away if you get 20 minutes a day of grounding, and. Something that's transformed my sleep and our entire family's sleep is a grounding sleeping mat that you can put over your bed. And you got to buy 100% cotton sheets to make sure it's conductive. And I used to always wake up in the middle of the night, you know, once or twice. (coughs) As soon as I started uh, sleeping with this sleeping grounding mat, a little over two years now, uh, you know, I just had perfect sleep for, for eight hours. I just went to a cabin with some friends. Didn't have my sleeping mat. Woke up two or three times a night. I'm like, God damn! I don't, you know, mm-hmm. I don't even. It's been so long. I didn't even remember this used to happen all the time. And this happens a lot. And you know, it's it's largely because of the electromagnetic radiation from Wi-Fi is you know coming at you all day. When you make that connection to the ground, it sends up electrons that helps basically create a Faraday cage with your, your body and protect you from the electromagnetic radiation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's important. I think like, you,
0: when you're disconnected from Mother Earth, you start depleting your electrons. We are intensely uh, electromagnetic beings. Like mm-hmm. Everything in our body is an exchange of electrons. All the atoms, the chemicals your metabolism is like an exchange of electrons or nerve endings. Everything is a, is a, is a really sensitive electron electromagnetic system. So when you lose your electrons, then you are going to start getting disorder and disease if it persists over time. So I think like getting yourself back into a balanced state and at, because once you get that radiation, you're exposed to all these electromagnetic things you want to get back into mother nature and connect putting your feet on the ground allows you to consume more electrons it reduces your cortisol levels and you are back in a harmonious state with the and this is this is esoteric topic and a lot of people um, just blow it off i even heard Elon musk on rogan just uh, he obviously has a financial incentive to to blow it off because all is exactly products depend on electricity Uh, but again invisible rainbow is probably the book if you want to dive into it deep and uh, there's a book called earthing or grounding yeah
1: and they have a free documentary on youtube earthing you can watch that as well
0: so this this is obviously something that uh, will be more popular as the years go on we get more more research on it but there's a lot of studies coming through there's one where the re- showed uh researchers showed in this um, ncbi study that the penetration of radio frequency waves is relative to the head size of the baby Oof. with smaller sizes absorbing more radio frequency radiation so, I mean, there's a ton of stussy studies out there. The nervous system of the children are way more vulnerable to the effects of electromagnetic waves than, than those of adults, uh, you know, especially developing inside the womb of a, a mother. These are a lot of things to think about, and you should be thinking about them, or at least doing your own research. Again, you have to, when we're talking about fertility and infertility... You have to think about everything. And you want to prepare. And these electromagnetic and radio frequencies are not natural. So for are going back to the traditional cultures, we need... Like, you have to help your body. And we're resilient human beings. I want to just state that, like, people are having kids no problem and they're exposed to all these environmental toxins. Like, we are extremely resilient humans. And... Some people may have no problem, may not have to do anything. Uh, but there's a lot of variables in, in, at play here. So there's not one cause or anything, but if you can take a f- holistic approach and, and it, you'll be more likely to, to, to have that blessed child that truly is a uh, brings tenfold meaning to your life. Mm-hmm. I've just experienced it. It's a wonderful wonderful thing to not only your life your family's life you're just home for the holidays and it just brings the spirits of everyone up it's life it's new life comes in and uh brightens up everyone's day so we're we're not trying to stress you out more we're just trying to pinpoint some things that you can do just to increase the odds of it, of it happening and less issues happening with it that's it i mean it'll remove your stress hypothetically if you do these things According to the science and the doctors that we follow, it will you, remove your stress because you'll procreate, mm-hmm. and that's what your goal. Because you're listening in this, <laughs> yeah. And trust me, if you have to go to the route of doing some of the uh, some of the other things when it comes to uh, in vitro fertilization, or fertilization, that, that's upwards of twenty thousand dollars. There, you know, the average cost of Fertility clinics spend around $5,000 of out-of-pocket expenses. Medications of hormone therapy are $1, to 1500 to $3,000 per cycle. I mean, there's a huge financial strain <laughs> that people start to go under once you go through this infertility issue. And even then, toxins, I was reading a study where it said in women undergoing IVF, in vitro fertilization... Those with uh, heavy loads of BPA levels, with BPA is the plastic, mm-hmm. were 211% more likely to have implementation failure wow. of, of that in vitro. So it's like, even then, like you can't get away from the toxins having a negative effect on fertility even when you're in the in vitro state. But mm-hmm. I guess none of the, you know, enough of the doom and gloom. It's more of just preparing yourself. This is information to prepare yourself. But, you know, one of the things we want to continue to do here is get your feedback, get your questions. Again, our email address, advice at gmail.com, email questions, send us an, emails, tell us to F off, whatever you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want to do. Yeah, there's an anonymous form if you're not comfortable with telling us that we're wrong. Uh, we we would love for people to tell us where we're wrong or, and, and how we're wrong, just so we can do the research further and ideally come to a higher consciousness between us all to, and find the the truth, whatever that is out there. We want to we want to be in a collective journey towards the truth. So please help us. Yeah, and if you if you if you're going through infertility yourself and can share some things, yeah, you know. what happened? How did you? you get help, anecdotal stories that add up turns into scientific evidence. Yeah. And then someone else hears from them and can apply it to their own situation and, and have that joyous celebration of life. Yeah. Love it. That's we end it off there. Alright, All right, we'll, we'll end it there. Yeah. No, that's perfect. Beautiful. See you guys next time. Thanks, guys. See you out there.